Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Tay with K.A. Today, I'm going to talk about attachment styles a bit. Relationships and love and dating. Not necessarily the ins and outs of the relation or the um, attachment styles themselves, but the way that we tend to relate to them, or at least how I've related to them. Some of the things that I've learned to kind of get myself to a more secure place And then some exercises that hopefully can help with just navigating some of this crazy brain shit that we go through. Um, I hear so much, especially in San Diego, like it's so hard to date here. We live in never, never land. We're surrounded by Peter Pans. Nobody wants to grow up. And it's like land of the free home of the emotionally unavailable. And it's like, okay, you can move. Like I've lived in three different cities in my lifetime and you can move. You can go to another place in hopes of finding somebody that's more emotionally available. But the truth of the matter is wherever you go, there you are. And a good saying that I learned very early in this process was you don't get what you want. You get what you are. And that was so eye-opening to me because I used to say, I used to have like my own little tagline that, well, if there's a douchebag within eight miles of me, I will sniff him out and I will fall in love with him. And I also had a term called a super douche. And I would say, oh, that's just a douche who wears a cape. And yes, it's funny. Like I'm, I'm being very sarcastic, but I started to ask myself, so if, I get what I am. I don't get what I want, which is, you know, an emotionally available man who wants to build a partnership with me. If I am only attracting emotionally unavailable men, does that mean I'm emotionally available? Like if I'm only attracting douchebags, am I a douchebag? And the overall answer was, yeah, kind of. And let's dissect that. So again, my version of douche is an emotionally unavailable person. But did that mean that I was emotionally unavailable? And it took me a while to kind of navigate through this because I was like, no, I'm not emotionally unavailable. Like all I want to do is give my love to somebody. All I want to do is be in this relationship that is super healthy and has, you know, all the things I want, friendship, love, passion, partnership, all of it, commonalities, all of it. But then I really started to kind of analyze my behavior and realistically, my emotional unavailability was to myself. Like I want all these great things in a partner, but I'm not loving myself enough to accept a full meal of food, which is what I wanted. I'm getting breadcrumbs and I'm saying that it's okay. So I'm not being fully present and open and available with myself. I'm not loving myself to get myself to the level of being in that partnership. I'm accepting these bits and bits and pieces on a level that was even more detrimental to my mental health and my stress level. And then I would do things like boo-hoo, why me? I keep, I keep finding these, these men that, that don't want to commit and don't want to level up and you know, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, why me, why me, victim mode? Why, why is my person not showing up for me? Well, because I'm not showing up for me. 
I'm actually the one who's in control of shifting this and I'm not utilizing that control. I'm waiting for something outside of me to, you know, come along and change the situation. And I'll say your attachment styles, because they're formed in childhood, are not your fault, but they are your responsibility. And that's kind of crazy. And that, you know, in, in fairness, that sucks. Like, well, I didn't ask for this. But no matter what attachment style you identify with or what attachment traits you have, if it's not secure, they stem from fear. Whether you're avoidant and you run away or you're anxious and you get clingy or you're disorganized like me and you do both. It all stems from fear. And it's this belief that well, I'm not good enough to be loved as I am. So I'm going to stage five clinger you because I'm afraid you're going to leave or I'm going to Forrest Gump style run away from you because I'm afraid you're going to leave. It's, it all stems from fear. And there's varying different degrees of both of those, you know, stage five clinger or Forrest Gump runner. But it's all just in hopes that we don't get hurt. It's all a way for us to try and avoid pain not really realizing that that is pain. Like that's not healthy. If you want something different, you have to become something different. So this is where the responsibility comes in and the shifts can then come in. This is why responsibility is cool because it gives you more control over your life. And without going into all the kind of ins and outs of how attachment styles are formed, basically the overarching theme is how you were taught to love or taught to relate to love as a child is how you're going to love and relate to love as an adult. Love is a basic human need. And when your little tiny kid brain is like a blank canvas, it absorbs things as either safety or unsafety. So if your little kid brain perceives something as unsafe, like your emotional needs weren't being met, you didn't feel heard or felt or validated, then that experience gets logged into your subconscious as like a red flag. And what we're doing when we have these attachment issues is protecting ourselves. And what may seem like crazy behavior to others outside of us, it doesn't necessarily feel that way internally when we're running from something or clinging from something or, you know, making demands that seem unreasonable. What we're, what our brain is actually radiating is I need somebody else to make me feel safe because I don't know how to do it on my own because I wasn't taught how to do it. That's why your attachment style is 100% not your fault, but it's 100% your responsibility. And so this is where the shifts come in. This is where the control comes in. And if you want something different to happen, you have to become something different so that you can subconsciously seek out something different. So what have I done? There are two main things that have really helped me. And not even necessarily 
doing, but more just becoming aware of. And the first one is finding safety, security, and wholeness within myself. Learning that my happiness is not conditional on another person or anything outside of me. Like I really always have control over my feelings, my mood, my emotions, my reactions, my emotional triggers. My happiness depends on me. And if I'm consistently searching for something with the subconscious belief that something outside of me is going to come along and make me happier, it's never going to work because things shift and change and, you know, people do what people do and you can't control that. So you have to learn to regulate things from the inside. Happiness is an inside job. And furthermore, I mean, it's the definition of putting somebody on a pedestal is well, I found you and now you're not only responsible for your own shit, but you're responsible for mine too. And if you fuck up, I'm going to be sad. If you decide you don't want to be with me, I can't handle it. And if I take myself outside of me or just flip myself into the other role, like if somebody were to put that kind of pressure on me or has put that kind of pressure on me in the past, it's like big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. Like, No, thank you. And so that was kind of the first step was becoming aware of what expectations, what pressures I was putting on people outside of me and then redirect that internally and learn to balance my own safety and realizing that if things don't work out the way I want, I'm going to be okay. And the second thing was I got to know my triggers and this is kind of like a how for the first one, like how did you build that safety within? Well, I got to know myself more and more and more. And I'm still doing it. I do this all the time, but I figured out how to recognize the emotional trigger as it was happening and just becoming aware of it. I realized that that was like the gateway to healing because the trigger itself is the wound. The trigger itself is where I can figure out where I need to heal, where I can dig deep and get to the why behind I'm having get to the why behind why I am having this emotional reaction because it's typically not something that's happening right now, but actually my brain telling me to repeat something from the past to keep me safe. And knowing the why actually really helps me sort out what I really wanted, you know, because I had these abandonment wounds. And like I said, I was, I, I have, disorganized attachment traits. I am not disorganized attachment. I have traits that go along with disorganized attachment because I had caregivers who weren't consistent with me in their emotional state. So it became this push pull for me internally, which I carried into my adulthood. So I would like cling instantly to somebody for fear that they were going to leave. But then when they would do something, my brain would send signals to my body that was like, oh, I love this person, or so I thought, and also, fuck you, get away from me. So it was a lot of chaos going on, and I never gave myself the chance to really sort that out and understand what I was really, truly feeling for this other person and if they were actually compatible for me. I didn't give myself a choice. It was like, I have feelings for you now, and you need to love me, and that was it. And 
kind of sorting through that. And believe me, those triggers still come up. Like they're not completely gone. They may never be completely gone, but sorting through them and learning to balance that in a way that allows me to be more stable and more unattached has allowed me to figure out where the wound kind of ends and the boundary begins. Like I now know that the relationship that I envision starts with me being more secure, me being more unattached, me allowing the connection to build from a place of security and getting to know one another and understanding one another and having space to hold for the triggers that that other person may have as well, as well as myself or myself first, and then as well as the other person. So that was super helpful in also building safety because the reasons I was feeling unsafe were because of my subconscious, my past, and my insecure attachment style. And an exercise that actually really helped for me was it was kind of an over an overall just statement of like, oh, I don't have to believe every thought that comes into my head. Like just because it's in there doesn't make it real. And so I would actually start to write down the opposite of what my thoughts are telling me. And here's, here's an example that I see a lot of women do. I'm, I, and I say, I say women, I will say people with more of an anxious attachment style, which traditionally speaking is more women men tend to be more avoidant, which goes along a lot with our culture. But if this resonates with you as a more, as a person who has a more anxious attachment style, this is something you can do. I would write down things that were opposite of what was happening. For example, if I've seen, I know I've done this and I've seen a lot of my girlfriends do this where we'll be, you know, really heavy texting with a potential partner, typically men. And that text sort of pattern will shift a little bit. Maybe he starts to text you good morning every morning and he does this for four days. And on the fifth day, he doesn't do it. And your entire nervous system starts to go crazy. And what do we do? We go to that place of, oh God, here it comes. It's changing. I can already feel the shifts. I know what happens when this happens. I know it's coming. Like he's already lost interest in me. And then, you know, maybe we'll check Bumble. We'll check that, that location. Did he move locations? Is he still on here? Clearly he's opened his, his app. I've seen him on Instagram. Let me, let me see if he's posted anything. You know, when we, we start to go to the bad place and we start to let it spiral and that momentum builds in that negative direction. And then that negative momentum becomes negative energy. Maybe we'll get passive aggressive in our text. Maybe we'll start to try and play gameplay. Oh, he didn't get back to me for three hours. Now I have to wait three hours. And it goes to, it just spirals. And it's the beginning of the end. Maybe because it's the beginning of the end in reality. Maybe. But it's really the beginning of the end because our thoughts are telling us that it is. You don't have to believe that. 
So write down the opposite of everything, every other reason why it could be why you're not getting a text back. He's sleeping. He's busy. Maybe he's on a plane. Maybe his phone broke. Maybe he fell off the jetway again. Samsonite, I was way off. I'm on a dumb and dumber kick today. And I want you to do your best to pull the focus back to you in these situations. I know we're actually writing about another person, like you're jotting down things of what he could be doing, but the feeling that you're building when you're doing this is a victimless feeling. Because when you go to that bad place instantly, and it's happening again, and he's not texting me, and he's already pulling away, we didn't even get a chance. What you're programming into your subconscious mind is that there's something wrong with me. Clearly, it's something about me, and that I am 100% sure of. It is not. So when you're doing these little exercises of just writing down the opposite, feel that you're okay with the opposite. Like he's doing things because of him and you're pulling yourself out of victim mode. And by doing this, you are automatically starting to build the safety, the security and the wholeness within you. And if you allow that feeling to kind of just run through you, you're going to feel the comfort from it. You're going to feel the weight off the shoulders of, I need to change. I need to do something different. There's something wrong with me. And as you naturally start to feel that, you're naturally going to seek out people who are more secure with themselves. It's crazy how that works, but everything's a reflection. And the other thing that has really, really helped me, I don't know if this is necessarily an exercise, but there are certain mantras that you can repeat, but overall it's to have compassion with yourself. I have said this before, I will continue to say this, and I do advocate for figure out what the fuck you want and say no to everything that isn't that. I am a big fan of that. But when we're over, I should say, and when we're overcoming relationship traumas and love traumas and wounds and we're healing, you know, an entire lifetime of bullshit that has been handed to us, it's hard to pinpoint sometimes exactly what you want. So get familiar with the confusion that comes along with this and just say, it's okay that I'm confused right now. The more you get familiar with that confusion, the more you get familiar with yourself, the more your intuition is going to be heightened. The more your intuition is heightened, the more you're going to know when to ebb and when to flow with another person, when you should stick around, when you should cut someone off. At the end of the day, people are just people. We're all operating at our own highest level of consciousness and we're doing the best we can with what we have. So the more compassion and grace you have with yourself, the more compassion and grace you will naturally have with other people. And you'll start to see the bullshit that you once thought was about you and realize it's about them and their own internal struggles and their own insecure attachment styles and the own, their own way that they relate to themselves or relate to love. 
And if you fuck up and you get attached to somebody who's not right for you, that's okay. If you get hurt again, that's okay. You're going to be okay. But the perspective shift there, as it always is, is to, to, to just remind yourself that everything that isn't what you want is teaching you something about yourself and bringing you one step closer to everything that is what you want. It's just really important to keep that perspective in mind. I hope this helps. That's what I got for today. I love you all. Bye.